talked about the Riders getting crushed in the Banjo Bowl, but uh, in listening and watching back, the tech was so bad, the internet kept freezing. It was awful uh, to the point where it wasn't usable. Probably the only thing that would have been as uncomfortable for you trying to listen or watch that would be having to go and experience your favorite football team getting absolutely blown out in Winnipeg 51-6. Now, that would have been off. Oh, wait, that did happen. Um, we'll, I'll try and recap a bunch of the stuff that we did say. Um, it was a big game. We got to have something here, so uh, bear with me. It's the Maz McFly solo episode today. 51-6 in the Banjo Bowl. Bombers beat the Riders, and it wasn't close. And I know a lot of us thought, hey, you know what? We got a win at home. We don't care what happens next week. And a lot of us knew that there was pretty much no chance we were going to win in Winnipeg. They own us. They eat our lunch no matter when we show up. And you know what? It proved to be true. 51-6. And they would have kept pouring on the gas. We'll get to that in just a bit. But probably the issue that I have for a bunch of people in Rider Nation, you can't have it both ways. Okay, you're on both sides of the fence and you seem to be comfortable with it. The Pete Robertson suspension after that play outrage online. Of course, Pete becomes public enemy number one. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the uh, the dirtiest team in the CFL. They're despicable. Other fan bases are all over us. Well, that's fine. People there's uh, from the other fan bases. We can take it. You know what? That's their job is to not like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders or anything they do. But I want to talk to you in Rider Nation. There were a bunch of you calling for Pete Robertson to be suspended immediately. And you're Ryder fans because you know what? We don't play that way. Uh, it's not our brand. That, that's not how we do things in Saskatchewan. You wanted him gone one game or more. Okay. And then the CFL came out and suspended him for a game. I was with David Sanchez on this because the CFL PA has no their discipline system has been a joke. He said, you know what? If you got a fine, that's fine. I'd be okay with that. Me too. If they wanted to go the Simone Lawrence route, there's a suspension, but we appeal, appeal, appeal. Hey, you know what? Other players have done it. No big deal. Remember Jackson Jeffcoat? We had it posted on our socials. Smoked Brandon Bridge in the jaw. He was never right after that. Mike O'Shea didn't come out and say, you know what? Yeah, we know the league didn't suspend him, but we're going to keep it in-house and we're going to... No. Didn't do that. So to anybody that was commenting during the game or after the game, the people that wanted Pete Robertson suspended, but then also said, listen, this is embarrassing. I'm going to put a paper bag on my head. This rider team is awful. What did you want? When you take a player like Pete Robertson out of the lineup, and we've talked about this all season, it's going to take all guys on the, everybody on the 43 man roster for the rider to riders to win a game. Nothing against Pete Roscoe, who came in and replaced him, but Pete Roscoe has got one or two games of CFL experience. Now, I'm not saying Pete Robertson in the lineup means that they beat the Bombers. Probably not. But when you take out a huge piece like that and an emotional leader, what did you want? Do you want morality or do you want to win? I think a lot of people are, well, well yeah, we, we, yeah, we wanted him suspended because it was the woke thing we need to. Oh, but wait, our team got crushed, and now I'm really mad. So what did you want? You, you can't have it both ways if you're like, well, Robertson's out. What, now we really have no chance to win. We keep said, okay. But you, there's a bunch of you that you were just disgusted with everything going on. I get it. Probably weren't going to win. I get it. But 
That's what happens. If they decided to do the Simone Lawrence and appeal and appeal and appeal, is it right? No, but it's CFL legal. And if in the rules of the CFL, you're still allowed to do that, do it. Simone never ended up serving that suspension for when he dinged Caleros. Uh, we had, there was enough examples. And keep in mind, Pete Robertson playing in that game doesn't mean that the Riders win. Is it closer? Maybe. I don't know. Final score was 51-6. to six. Um, I Even before kickoff, I'm like, we're going to accept our fate, whatever happens here. Uh, we had Andrew Patterson on last week, and he talked about, listen, that, like it was a bonehead move and all of that. And a lot of people, we didn't get a chance to give our sort of take on it. And I was whatever, because the CFL and discipline is kind of whatever. You don't know what's going to happen. But with the reaction from social media, and a lot of it from Rider Nation, uh, Robertson suspended, and then he came out, and I kind of liked his, wasn't an apology? I don't know. He's like, yeah, I made a mistake. But he, I never heard the words, I'm sorry, which I'm like, all right, don't do that. Uh, but you had to know in the bomber locker room. Now, Mike O'Shea, and I respect Mike O'Shea. I, I love him as a coach. He was one of the dirtiest players when he played. And his team kind of, we talked about this last podcast, always plays to the edge. Always right on the edge. But you had to know in that locker room. And it'll never come out because they're a tight-knit unit. You put the foot on the neck and you don't let them up. When it's 45-6, should Zach Kalaros have still been in the game? Trying to rack up points? No, a lot of other coaches would have pulled to be like, well, we can't afford to get our store quarterback. Or, no, O'Shea wants to prove a point. He's he's pouring the gas on. 51-6 is the final score. Uh, one of the few things that made me chuckle is um, couldn't take Suter anymore. Turned on the Rider radio broadcast. And um, there was about a minute left, and Luke Mullender said, he's like, I'm surprised Mike O'Shea's not taking a timeout here. <laughs> Which is truly a Mike O'Shea thing to do. Or with about a minute left and you're up by, you know, 40-some points, throw a challenge flag just to make a point. Um, it's a good thing we split. I, I didn't matter. D that win is so big now because a lot of us knew that banjo bull. Uh, did you know that even last year when everybody was sick and it was, you know, guys were getting driven to the game and there was IVs in the hotel, the riders, the score was actually closer? I'm like, no, are you kidding me? Um, when we take a look a little closer to the game, the riders couldn't stop the run. Brady Oliveira went over a thousand yards, looked outstanding. Uh, a couple hundred yards total in offense, uh, rushing and receiving, uh, at the, when it all was said and done, the bombers had 600 yards of offense. The riders had 200, uh, riders first drive looked good. Had they been able to connect with Kean Schaefer Baker in the end zone and score a touchdown, maybe it's a different game. We get a field goal and then. Winnipeg rattles off six straight drives where they score touchdowns, including Dalton Schoen, three touchdowns in the first half. It was an impressive performance by Winnipeg. They're a really good football team. And uh, it just goes to show that when the games we have won, it's taking everybody and everything to muster up those wins. I don't think anybody is catching Winnipeg. First place is theirs. As the BC Lions have sort of come back down to earth, the Riders kind of kind of it's a tread water situation now to kind of stay where we are um i think uh in one of the points we were talking about in the podcast which you won't see because the tech was so bad you have to stick with jake gold dolagala now till trevor harris comes back even though mason fine he's won a couple of games he's done enough for you was it outstanding uh against the bombers no but i don't really think 
who would have been playing quarterback, even Trevor Harris, the Bombers were dialed in and they were looking for a little revenge. It wouldn't have mattered, even if Trevor Harris would have been under center. Score maybe would have been a little bit closer, but I don't think that we were winning that game. Uh, They seemed to be clicking on all cylinders. The uh, Bomber defense, who was quiet in Saskatchewan, although had a good first half, they really came through. Sacks, knockdowns, uh, confusion, pressure, and Dola Gala looked like a quarterback that only had a few starts. Uh, starts. Uh, Richie Hall dialed up the pressure, and there were times that um, it didn't matter. And then just some of the acrobatic catches that the Bombers receivers made. Like, Caleros will throw it up there, and you've got guys making, like, the Kenny Lawler, uh, fighting in for that touchdown, and you're like, me, along like Nick Marshall, I gave up in about the second quarter. Did you see now Nick Marshall isn't the best tackler at the best of times. Did you see on that one run play where Olivero was past him and he tried to like lay a shoulder check into him and he was already pad like forget putting your arms out. God, Nick, I love you because you just will not commit to tackling. You're like, ah, that's it. And by the third and fourth quarter, you could just tell they're going through the motions. Uh, I wonder what it's like when they go through and they watch all that on tape. Like, what's your explanation? To be like, well, like, are you allowed to, especially if you're a vet, are you allowed to give up? Uh, Probably the silver lining in all of this from Super Saturday in the CFL was that the Toronto Argonauts dismantled the Montreal Alouettes. I turned on the game, got up, went to get a drink, came back a couple minutes later, and it's already 14-0 Argos. I'm like, okay, this is good. We've got this in cruise control. We didn't need to have Cody Moss have the game of his life or um, Cody Moss. We didn't need to have Cody Fajardo and Jason Moss have the game of their life and all of a sudden dismantle the Toronto Argonauts. So thank you, Toronto, on Super Saturday for dismantling Montreal. And that's important because if we do get into this crossover situation, we don't need them with a better record than us. Toronto and Winnipeg are going to be the top teams, West and East, and everything else, if it's a dogfight and up for grabs, we need Montreal to lose as many games as possible. And, but, and same thing, Edmonton Eskimos, thank you for knocking off the Calgary Stampeders at the end. We need that as well. We don't need the Stamps catching fire, although I'm a little worried about the Elks because when they come to town, that's not exactly what we need to see. What is wrong with Calgary this year? When can you remember the Calgary Stampeders being four and nine. And it's one thing to be four and nine and they're on a bye week, but four and nine, and there's a good chance they don't make the playoffs. And I'm interested to see because Huff's never been in this spot before. Dave Dickinson's never been in this spot before. Do they start making changes? I mean, at times during that Eskimo game, they look good. I actually turned it off for a while because they got up. It was 20-something, and I thought, well, this game's over. And then I happened to turn it back on, and that's when the Eskimos were driving and end up kicking the field goal to win the game. And the fa- a lot of people always a phantom pass interference call. There was enough contact there. The DB's got to know. And you know what? Those guys get coached up good enough. You know, when there's that little time left in the game, probably the message has got to be just don't touch them. Let them run. If they catch it, they catch it. And if they kick it, but just don't touch them. You can't be taking a penalty in that situation. And as they drive down and then uh, field goal kicker faithful from the Eskimos puts it through, they win 23-22. Trey Ford, once again, the Kyler Murray video game stuff. But when it mattered most, 
He's got to eventually throw the ball, and I hope that the Riders have a game plan for this because the Riders don't do well sometimes with a mobile quarterback. And Zach Caleros isn't the mobile, most mobile quarterback. He only rolls to the right, but for whatever reason, the Riders can't seem to stop that. I can't imagine Trey Ford, who can be all over the map, running around and how the Rider defense is going to do this. Much like with the Justin Crum thing, they're going to have to designate somebody, whether that's Derek Moncrief or uh, TJ Brunson, if he's linebacker. you got to spy that guy. Uh, speaking of linebackers, um, Darnell Sankey signing with the Montreal Alouettes. And I saw a lot of people on uh, some of the rider boards. Ah, we don't need him. Really? You had a team that put up 600 yards. You're telling me the CFL's leading tackler from last year wouldn't have helped that in somehow, some way? It's not like we're shut down in championship. We're 6-6 six and six at best. We're 6-6. Six and six. We've got Edmonton coming to town. And these are the games that, and you know this if you're a Ryder fan, and we've all been through this, the games we're supposed to win are the games that somehow we managed to fumble away. Or look at earlier in the season. Did we win 12-11 and get lucky? Or was it 13-12? I can't remember. But I have a sneaking suspicion that somehow, some way, unless I'm completely wrong, that the Riders are not winning this in a blowout. Edmonton's going to keep it close. They're getting a little swagger. Chris Jones has always kind of had a decent enough defense, and now with a few pieces on offense, and Geno Lewis has had big games against the Riders in the past, it's not the free spot on the bingo card a lot of people were thinking even a month ago. Edmonton, and although we do have the season series when it comes to the playoffs things, we can't afford to lose this game. 7-6 and six looks a lot better than 6-7. and seven. No free spots. Because you know what? the other Everybody else thinks we're just as vulnerable. You don't know which rider team you're going to get. I, and as fans, we have to accept that. Could you imagine if you're the rider coaching staff, you have no idea uh, which team you're going to get? Uh, probably one of the more concerning things, and maybe there'll be some more light shed on it as we get into the week. Uh, Craig Dickinson was asked about um, the riders on the road. Past three road games, been absolutely blown out. And the question was posed by a bunch of the media. Are you worried about how bad your team plays on the road? He's like, no, I'm not worried. I'm worried. The past three times you've gone on the road, and you're going to have to go on the road. And if it comes to a playoff situation, there's a good chance you're going on the road because we won't have home field advantage. If you're not worried about how your team plays on the road, everybody in Rider Nation is, okay? Absolutely flat. You've been blown out three times. Not even close. And the games have been over early. It's not like we're losing nail biters in the end. So coach, if you're not worried about your team on the road, let me tell you, everybody in Ryder Nation is, and you should be. Now, maybe you're just saying that to deflect in your post-game press conferences because there was bigger issues. But it's real. Uh, and it's legit. Um, outside of the CFL stuff, let's see. College football, week two. About five or six years ago, I really decided to get into American college football. The passion for the fan base run, runs deep. It's kind of like being a Ryder fan. It doesn't matter where you're going to live, where you're going to work, where, you know, what, your team is your team. And on Saturday, we got a chance to see something that really doesn't happen all that much. Former Saskatchewan Rough Rider quarterback, and you're going to have to go, was that late 90s, early 2000s? Steve Sarkeesian, who is now the coach of the Texas Longhorns, goes into Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and the uh, Hook'em Horns, uh, Beat the Crimson Tide, 34-24. So in the last 54 games at home, Nick Saban and his Alabama Crimson Tide are 52-2. and two. Good job, Coach Sark. 
Uh, let's see. The NFL season is underway as well. And uh, let's just put it out there. Online, nobody cares about your fantasy football team. And as always, there were some huge blowouts. The Dallas Cowboys beating the New York Giants, 40 nothing. Who would have saw that coming? Like, could you imagine... It would have been the best troll job ever. Like, and, and I get it. I love, I like when the Cowboys win and I like when the Cowboys lose because the internet is very interesting. People love to meme. But could you imagine, because people will bet on anything nowadays, if you had the stones to put a bet down in Vegas or with one of the online things to be like Dallas by 40. I'm taking a shout out. It's going to be Dallas by 40. And who, who, if you could even get odds on a prop bet like that to be like, I am such a big Cowboys fan. And it's funny because now after the Cowboys beat the Giants 40 nothing, and they looked, Daniel Jones looked awful. They gave him, what was that, $160 million? Wow. Um, and you see it. This is Cowboys fans. This is our year. This is our year. And they keep cutting to the press box. And you could see Jerry Jones and the Jones family. I'm like, with the aspirations like that, say we're going to the Super Bowl. Let's wait till about week six or seven before we start planning the parade route in DFW, okay? Uh, let's see. Looks like the Bears are in for another tough season. Uh, let's see. What other fan bases are going to be extremely disappointed this year? Uh, it was good to see Jimmy G and the Raiders win, and we'll wrap on this. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Las Vegas Raiders. And a lot of people hate uh, Josh McDaniels. And I don't know why he gets a lot of hate because he comes from the Patriot coaching tree and all they did with Belichick is win. A lot of people hate that. It's like players that come from Alabama. All they did was win. It's not their fault. They came from a winning program, but man, they sure do get a rough ride. So it was good to see Jimmy G and the Las Vegas Raiders uh, pull it up. Will Vegas actually do anything this season? No, I, I don't think so. But you know what? It's more interesting because outside of the Cowboy fan base, the next most ridiculous fan base in sports, if you ask me, in the NFL, because if the Riders are number one, because that's sort of where I'm always hovering in that tank, whether you're, it's a, an Oakland Raider or a Las Vegas Raider fan, you are delusional. Your takes online are some of the most bizarre you could possibly see. And even the most glimmer of hope of beating Russ Wilson, let Russ cook yesterday. Now that fan base is running wild, thinking that they're going to be playing in the Super Bowl at Allegiant Stadium in about six months time. All right, that'll do it. Episode 44, Rider Nation podcast. Once again, it's the Maz McFly solo edition because we had such incredible tech problems with the internet. Uh, with Kelly and Moose Jock Craig, we came on here and uh, did this solo. Uh, thank you for listening or watching on Spotify. Same thing on YouTube, uh, Apple, and Google, wherever you get your podcast. If you want to like and subscribe, we appreciate it. And on the social channels, at Rider Nation podcast on Instagram, and on Twitter, at Rider Podcast. Uh, Eskimos, pardon me, Elks, up this week. Go Riders.